A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing new hires in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet. But first... Time for the daily stand-up, Derek. Cool. Let's see what you got for me. Something that I hope you know more about than I do. Okay. But so, something that has been consuming me. Mm. Hopefully not some form of fungus or you know, some sort of alien creature. I do know some. Funny you should say that, Derek. So the topic for today... <laughs> Look, you can just look up on WebMD if you're really that hard up for an answer about, but I will not, I repeat, I will not check out that fungus again like I did last time. Once bitten, twice shy, Frank. <laughs> it's just a, just a rash, Derek. Nothing to be <laughs> not scared necessarily, of. Not necessarily the fact that it is a rash, it is the location of the rash that was so problematic, but HR already knows about it, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I can't see it myself, man, so <laughs> what am uh, I supposed to do here? I don't know. I <laughs> I guess there's no good answer for that, because, uh, I mean, I could have bought you one of those mirrors on a pole so that you could kind of, like, it, you know, it's a, it's a back scratcher for, for a mirror, basically, um, that might have let you get uh-huh. the angle, get the angle on it, or, you know, I mean, we do have, like, Everybody has a, a video recorder in their pocket, so you could like <laughs> let let that thing peep on it for you. Um, <laughs> but then the problem is that you know Facebook and Google would have that, and when you make your your eventual rise to you know God Emperor, wait that no 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 that's a different thing now. We can't use that term anymore. Um, when you make your eventual rise to the king of <laughs> the mortal coil, they will bring that out and. Uh, Post it on your campaign page. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what what it's what's eating you, Frank? So I was gonna talk about cleaning up. Okay. You're gonna have to be a little more specific. So I'm I'm sort of one of those people that, you know, like personally hand washing, showers, all those things, top notch all the time. Yeah, right. Otherwise, I I cannot move through the world. No excuses, no exceptions. Everything is clean. Period. But I've been trying to unfuck my life over the past couple of days. Just okay. you know, realizing that there there has been an uh, accumulation of detritus. <laughs> That's a mean thing to call me, Frank. I mean, we got to cut the fat where we can. Oh. <laughs> That's also hurtful. <laughs> it's a two-for-one special on insults. Shit. Yeah. 
I'm getting dunked on by Franklin. All right. <laughs> but no, I decided to start going through a a bookshelf that I've got. Just we we were like, let's let's go through this. Let's see what can be uh, perhaps downsized. You know, right. it's it's a little disorganized. There's just books laying on top of books, and some of the books are spines out, and some of the books are not, and oh, some of them are wow. upright, and you know, it's just. It was kind of as things had been put onto the bookshelf in a in a haphazard fashion. That's where they had stayed for for a very long time. Right. And so I we were making three piles. One was uh, well, we we started making two piles. One was giveaway and one was keep. Okay. And then I discovered some water damage, Derek. Oh no! On the bookshelf itself. On the bookshelf itself. Well, right behind it. Mm. Uh, which had, had infiltrated a couple of the books with some uh, some water damage. Uh-oh. So then I had to create a third category of book <laughs> called <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, well, so the, yeah, I guess you only had two piles before, the, the keep and the giveaway. Now you had to add the third pile of gonna have to throw this away, which exactly. is unfortunate. Because, um, like, once things get water damaged, uh, unless they're like... <laughs> Unless they're like some like you know illuminated manuscript from you know long long ago, they're not really worth like trying to unwater damage them. So, yeah, water damage is something that's very difficult to to like reverse. Well, you can't even re- really reverse it with books. Like you have to mitigate right. it at best. Yeah, and I am not an an archivist by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. So, and I had to you know I just had to sit there and let go of some things, and it was some things that I haven't. Like, I've kept, but I haven't necessarily thought about in, in quite a while. Right. And I realized exactly how long I'd been keeping things. Like, oh yeah, I used this book once to write a report in grad school. Right. Many, And, and that's many been a hot minute. Ago. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was just a, a little bit of time ago. <laughs> so, uh... The books that got damaged, were any of them things that, you know, you were considering somewhat priceless artifacts to you, or they or were they mostly in that category of, I used this once or twice and never picked it up again? Luckily, luckily it was on the bottom of the bookshelf area, and that area had been sort of just by nature relegated to stuff that wasn't necessarily being used very often or wasn't <laughs> being referenced a lot. Because of all the shelves, uh, there's the top shelf, which, you know, only the tall people can get to. There's the middle shelves that's kind of a free-for-all for everybody. And then there's, <laughs> then there's the bottom shelves that require you to bend over to access them. And those, are, those are That's the a least lot of work, access. Derek. That is a lot of work. It is absolutely I am way up here, and to get way <laughs> down there, it takes That's just no good. seconds out of my day, and that's a lot to ask, really. <laughs> a lot of grunting uh, to get down there, and that's just not a good scene, especially especially if people are around. I know that I'm not the I'm not exactly a yoga instructor on my f- flexibility levels, but. I don't necessarily always want to prove that. Like, I don't want that to be put on display as I try to uh, bend over and get underneath something. Very unmanly noises being made. But I know that you guys have something of a more strenuous, uh, you know, keep or toss policy than we do. So, 
I mean, how often how often is it appropriate to go through all of your shit and and make decisions, Derek? To be honest, Frank, with most of our our shit that is book related, uh the the choice of whether or not <laughs> whether or not to keep it or dispose of it is basically done in the car after we've purchased it. Like that's how quickly things cycle through. Like we get it out of the car and we're like, you know, we don't really need this, and so we just drop it off a book book repository. No, that that's not necessarily that that extreme. Um, but Better read this bastard in the car because right. I'm taking it directly to the dump. It's, yeah, getting donated to the library tomorrow. By and large, like there are a couple of books that we've kept. Uh, I, I think we have the first compendium of. The Walking Dead got a couple, uh, mostly like comics and graphic novels, things like that. We'll end up keeping just because you know we like you know the art or the artist or um, they ha- maybe they have like sentimental value. Um, I've got a couple of like like books of like um, you know lovey dovey poems that that we have bought for each other uh, over the years, and so there's a couple oh, of things like that. Dear. But but by and large, uh, I think we, if I had to guess, we have less than 20 books uh, all total. But yeah, as far as like physical stuff, like the one thing that we did actually keep like a lot of it on hand was was DVDs, not even Blu-rays. Like we're, we're, we're starting to reacquire Blu-rays, but you know, we had like tons of DVDs because you know, we lived pretty close to a movie stop for a while and just like every couple of weeks, you know, we'd walk in there and, you know, see if there are any like, you know, good used like horror movies and stuff like that, sci-fi movies. And we buy all that and put it in our, our DVD rack. Well, eventually we started to to get to the point where we had like two or three boxes of like reserves and like the, you know, just the DVD shelves were completely full with like the, the grade a stuff. Uh, I mean, most of them were still like, shitty B horror movies, but like the best of the worst. The grade A B films. Right. The grade A B movies. Um and only recently did we kind of do away with all of them. We're like, you know what? We will probably never in our lives watch another DVD unless like forced to. Like <laughs> if the end of the world comes and it gets all the Blu-ray players, but the DVD players are fine, you know, then we'll go back and we'll watch some DVDs. But until then you know, if we keep anything, it'll be Blu-rays and all the rest of the DVDs, most of the books, all those things have been, uh, they have been culled and, and it's sad. Like I feel slightly, um, unacademic about that. Like not even, not even my college books made the, made the cut, but I will say if I had to see my college algorithms book on the shelf every day, reminding me how stupid I am <laughs> that is not something not what I want to happen a lot of the a lot of the old college books like it, it brought back sort of happy memories of when I read you know various theorists and stuff like that and right that that was kind of nice I I think so I sort of tried to curate a little bit I kept one or two things from each of sort of the classes or the the subject matters and then I let go some of the the other the other pieces um I kept some of the stuff that I'd made a lot of marginalia in that nobody's going to need those anyway because right. I've marked them all to hell and back so <laughs> might as well keep it cuz otherwise it's just going to get thrown out but uh, you know going through other things to 
to get rid of stuff that was it was honestly kind of cathartic because there's some things that i've just been carrying around for like i realized i had a hard drive um media player that was (laughs) 10 years old Uh uh-huh filled with films from when the kids were very little that i don't even know if it would interface with anything anymore and i know that for a fact, I have not tried plugging it in in five years. I I have the same thing. I essentially, whenever I was younger, I had like you know three or four boxes of like random electronics, like um, you know nick cards and dial-up modems. Back when that is what was required to get on the internet, you know, just tons of like computer parts and stuff like that. Uh, lots of like random assorted memory chips and stuff. Uh, you know, different memory sticks and and RAM and whatnot. And whenever I got married, that, that got kind of reduced down to, you know, one box. And, you know, for the most part, like that one electronics box has stayed, has stayed sealed for the entirety of our 12 year marriage. I think I've opened it a couple of times. And every time I've opened it up, I thought, man, this shit doesn't go to anything anymore. So I think we are going to probably clean, uh, clean shop a little bit and get rid of some stuff. That, that we don't need, but, um, I, I'm, I'm both looking forward to it, but I'm also, uh, kind of, I don't know. It, it feels like letting go of, of my electronic pack ratness that I don't know if I'm ready to, but, uh, cause like I was allowed to hoard in that one confined space. <laughs> and now you get this one box you right. can be a nasty monster in this one box right <laughs> for for two and a half square feet uh or i guess i guess it would be like nine cubic feet um you can be a, a filthy fucking garbage person um with electronics but outside of that it's not but doing away with it i think will be it's probably personal growth but we'll see <laughs> Maybe. see i'm undertaking some of this because i'm like to be perfectly honest, I'm trying to neaten up the recording studio. Right. <laughs> which is which is a, a closet. Um right. it's a very big closet, but it is it is honestly a closet. Right. But if I if I move the stuff that is currently being stored in a closet that we don't need or use or anything like that, um I can probably put up additional sound uh baffling and put together better better equipment packages put my stuff in better order yeah things like that so it's really looking forward towards the future yeah i'm in the exact same boat i'm literally now that i've started recording in a closet i am literally looking at my (laughs) my old electronics box right now i'm not like rifling through it but i can physically see it so hey maybe that'll be part of our uh once we actually get Patreon going, we'll we'll have a video series of us rifling through our old shitty stuff and just chunking it into garbage. Yeah. It's like an unboxing, but it is a reboxing <laughs> for the trash. Right. <laughs> Folks can donate with guesses of what the fuck that cord goes to. See, that that kind of just crossed the gap or, or crossed the threshold from being useless fun to actually being <laughs> being a useful service like <laughs> just have people watch you as you rifle through a box and they can tell you what cables go to what like <laughs> i would pay good money for that service 
Want to hit up the deep dive, Derek? Let's do that. All right, today on the deep dive, we are talking about dealing with new hires. One of the more uncomfortable facts of life or working in an office is that people are going to be leaving and joining your team from time to time. Whenever a new team member is hired, there is an uncomfortable time period of uncertainty that almost nobody is well-equipped to handle. So Frank, as a, as a new hire, I want you to know that none of this is personal to you, but... Uh, yeah, I never I take we... anything personally, Derek. <laughs> I guess that requires some sort, of, uh, some, some sort of idea of self that you just think that everything is a part of you, so... Not really a self, but just more of a in hive mind. In a way, mind. if you think about it, Derek, aren't we all connected? And if we're all connected, then we're all me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, but I think we can agree that that bringing in new hires can be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's always, when you bring in someone new, they don't know what's going on. And that's not necessarily their fault, but just because they're new doesn't necessarily stop you from having to do the things that you had to do before they got there. Right. So now you have some amount of your time being siphoned off to, you know, boot this person up to speed. Right. In what needs to go on around the office. Right. Yeah, and I think that's probably, as far as like functional... I think that's probably like the the worst of it, like the just the actual time sink that it takes to, you know, get this person up and running. Because for most of the jobs that I've had, like like I said, a couple have been a little bit different to where I was able to kind of jump in and hit the ground running because I was familiar with the domain or familiar with the, you know, the the tech stack or something like that. Uh, But for the most part, whenever you get hired on to a new position, it's going to be, I mean, at least a couple of weeks of you know, not knowing, you know, what the fuck you're doing, like what, you know, getting pointed to different things like we talked about last week, you know, kind of getting the whole uh, environment set up and things like that. Um, But you are essentially a parasite (laughs) on other people until such a time as you can be self-sufficient. And, you know, depending on, I've had jobs where that took, you know, a couple of days and I've had some jobs where that literally took me like a month or two to become self-sufficient because, it there's sometimes there's just way too much to learn. And, and also some people, sometimes whenever you get hired on, like the, the boss may be ready for you to be hired on, but your team may not be prepared. If they're in the middle of crunch time, then those new hires may get ignored for a couple of weeks. And I I hate to say that, but you know, I I've done it before. Like feel free to do a ride along, but uh, we're not necessarily going to be able to stop and, (laughs) <laughs> you know, hold your hand. Yeah. And being the new guy is a lot like being a kid to some extent. It's a lot like raising a kid. Like, you're not necessarily getting a whole lot out of this, but you're putting something in in the hopes that later they'll take care of you when you're ancient and not put you <laughs> in some sort of nursing home that you have to escape from when you want to go and see Judas Priest. I, I think that's a bit rose-colored glasses because I think most of the people that I have worked with um, and it, and it may just be my particular flavor of, uh, I don't know, it's personality or, or work habits or something like that. But, uh, I would not trust any of my former coworkers, uh, <laughs> to take care of me in my old golden years. 
uh, of software development. I think I think that would be a a bad calculation for me to to try to make. When do you think you're going to to get a job, Derek, or you're going to be at a job and you're going to look up one day and realize that you are the old fart who doesn't know anything anymore? Hmm. I I mean I feel I feel that it's not like forever away. I think I am well past uh midlife in that respect because, you know, part of the part of the thing that kind of I guess not sucks. Like it's not like it, it it is a an overtly negative thing, but you know, there are a lot of people coming into the field. You know, a lot of people in their early 20s that have an an amazing portfolio already. Um because, you know, when I was growing up like I mean, I, I didn't have internet till I was 10, 11, something like that. And, you know, I didn't even really know what a computer, what, what computer programming was until I was like 16 or 17. Um, you know, I kind of toyed around with it, but I never did anything with it. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really code anything that worked until like I was like 20. So, you know, then you have some of these kids that have been like fucking around with Minecraft since they're eight years old and you know they kind of make that logical leap to building things and you know okay well how does this work you know let me figure out you know okay well there's some like some software in there there's some code let's go look at it and by the time they're 13 they're fucking building react sites like it's it's infuriating um <laughs> because there are we we are they're so far ahead of the curve on that respects but, you know, you have all these people that are, you know, 21, 22, 23 that are coming in fresh out of college and they are, you know, on the bleeding edge of uh, of technology. And, you know, you can you feel the icy grip of obsolescence, Derek? I I do slightly. And and the thing is, is that I have seen this play out so many times. And I guess I guess this is this is one of the, the things about new hires is that, you know, they can be a parasite on the, on the workforce, but they can also, depending on the personality of the people they're getting hired alongside, uh, or, or what team they're being put on, they can be seen as a threat <laughs> because, you know, if they come in with like better ideas or better experience and, and the team they're coming on to has been, you know, more or less like, um, hobby developers or, something like that, that you know, essentially they, they didn't really do this formally or, or they only did like one thing for a very long time, you know, that is threatening to come to have somebody come in and immediately start saying, Oh, well, this is the way we do things now. Like <laughs> a, that's a shitty thing to say. Like that is not, that is not the way that you should bring up these discussions. But, um, but to hear that is, is definitely frustrating and you have to come to terms with that. You're either going to accept it and you know try to use all these you know brilliant young people to help you get to, to basically continue your own progress um or you you know dig your heels in and become the person that gets shoved out at, at the earliest possible convenience because they're they're stopping progress that's why it's so important that directly after someone gets hired that you engage in a physical act of dominance so that you can establish pecking order within the pack. Right. <laughs> that that was actually uh 
That's actually one of the questions. It's what, what's the most important thing uh, when breaking in a new hire? Um, and I think you've answered it that, you know, asserting dominance physically, not just like metaphorically, but physically uh, forcing them into the fetal and or, you know, belly up position is extremely Lightly grip important. Their, their throat in your jaws and <laughs> flip them over so that their tender underbelly is exposed and they know who is boss. That is true. And, and it's very important because if you don't do that, if, if you let them go even like a week or two without experiencing that, that dominance, um, <laughs> they will gain enough, enough power that you possibly can't overtake them anymore. And before long, uh, you will be the one with, uh, <laughs> with the teeth around your, your throat. You will, and you'll have no applicable experience, and you'll realize that everyone is switched to an entirely new technology stack, and you've been left behind to do maintenance on existing products instead of developing new products on the hot team. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hellscape that you were describing, Frank. And, and it's, a, it's a very real thing. Like, there have been... I, I've seen, you know, hotshot developers come on and... And basically kind of pull the old switcheroo, or not switcheroo, but um, then they get kind of swapped into a a team that's doing cool shit, and one of those people getting pulled out to go onto a maintenance project, uh, whether they wanted to or not. And that's that sucks. Like, But, you know, sometimes the the shit just has to be maintained, and there there's no good way to do that, but... It's okay, Derek. The new stuff that we're building is... While super cool and all, not, you know, it's not going to eclipse everything that you've done. <laughs> and the good thing is, is that no matter, no matter what, no matter what company is building something, they never build it right. So before long, it will need to be maintained. And then you'll upgrade to the uh, somewhat new hotness when, uh, when shit's on fire. And that's, that's a whole lot of fun. I thought that I thought that you guys, the software developers, did that on purpose for job security. We'll go with that. That that sounds like a much better. That would be a much better reason to fuck up than just general incompetence. <laughs> so we'll go with nobody your on earth wants to know exactly how much of bad software is just down to general incompetence. And the thing is, like, it's not even like willful or you know, the awareness of being incompetent. It's just that there are some things you do that like, there's just no like Prima strategy guide for it. Like sometimes you're just like, uh, I search stack overflow. Nobody has done this before, but we're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna shoot from the hip with software development in particular. It is a lot like writing. Like there is more than one way to do just about anything. Right. But the difference between writing and software development is that when you write a book, there aren't thousands of Russian hackers trying to get into it to change the election results. <laughs> I mean, I guess they could, like, not, not to change the election results, but they, you could, like, upload your book to your publisher, and all of a sudden, like, lots of, <laughs> lots of Russian hackers try to go in and change it. Like, that change, happens, too. Like, just change all the, uh, the T-H-E-R-E's to uh, T-H-E-I-R's and make you look like a doofus. You want to discuss it on our way to the accounting? Let's do that. To the accounting. Jesus Christ. To the accounting. <laughs> See? And and I didn't catch it either, so I'm complicit. 
<laughs> I'm an accomplice after the fact. <sighs> All right, Derek, ready for the review retrospective? I would love that. Superb show. Five stars by Mike C. Squared. Frank and Derek have found a way to make the mundane and monotonous situations of the workplace into some fun and hilarious anecdotes and informative looks into work, life, and more. There's a great rapport between these two. They create an atmosphere that makes you feel like you're part of the conversation. Well-earned five stars, and you have yourself a new subscriber. Now, that one... That one I like in its entirety. Uh, no mention of working class, middle class, you know, it's every kind man. when people don't bring up our poverty. Really. <laughs> our, our poverty or our... Um, you don't like being part of the hoi polloi, Derek? See, I've heard that word, but I don't actually know what that word means, to be honest. Just kind of the masses, the underclass. Yeah, I, I don't I don't like being considered uh just one of the other one of the millions of people. I want to be I want people to realize how awesome I am. You want people to know that you're special, Derek, and that's why we started a podcast. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds a little arrogant, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I say everybody else has a podcast. Why can't we? Next up, Interesting and Relevant by IMDB Journey. Five stars. This is a great podcast for anyone who is interested in work or life. So basically, it's great for everyone. Frank and Derek give some great banter and make it lighthearted and hilarious as well. A super solid podcast and one to subscribe to. Uh, that review was, uh, I believe, from a IMDb Journey podcast. Uh, those guys are great. Uh, the previous one, uh, the Mike C Squared one, was from uh, One Giant Leap for Geeks. So both you guys uh, love your shows, and we really appreciate the, the feedback. You know what time it is, Derek. I do, and I would love it for you to roll the theme music. Gather round, kitties, let me spin you a tale of audio adventure from two fat guys so pale. We found these shows, and we laughed till we pooed, and we've got a feeling that you'll like them too. The Indie Podcast Corner. Alright, it's time for the Indie Podcast Corner. In this segment, we take a few minutes to tell you about a new podcast that we've been enjoying that we think you'll enjoy too. Our featured show this week is the Childhood Remastered Podcast. The hosts are Sean and Chris. And they look back at movies, cartoons, and TV shows from their childhood to see if they retain their shine when viewed again as adults. They provide an incredible amount of information you didn't know about the makers of the content, behind-the-scenes happenings, and the history of the rise and fall of the franchises. Some of their topics covered are, and Frank, you want to, uh, to hold on to your butt for this one. Is this going to be another one where I feel fucking old that you go over some shit that I realize I know as contemporary? So, well, no, uh, this is all stuff that probably is more in line with my, my childhood. It will, it will, 
Um, wait, contemporary as in like when you were like older. Yeah, as in things I remember as being modern, Derek. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let, let's let's run down the list. Let's see. Uh, some of their most recent ones, uh, and and some of these are further back, are Double Dare, Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Freakazoid, uh, Beavis and Butthead, Hocus Pocus, and many many more. Like I said, all right. Some <laughs> of those, some of those were definitely during like my high school time. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I may have liked Beavis and Butthead to some extent. Okay. So you're on, on bigger board with fan, that. however, of Daria. Mm hmm. I I did not see if they did one for Daria, but they they have like a hundred episodes at this point. Like they have gone completely under my radar, and I feel. Uh, honestly, I feel personally offended that I didn't, did not get like some sort of newsletter telling me about these fuckers because it is it is that good. Like their their double dare episode was fucking phenomenal. Um, I learned I mean, so Derek, much. I've been listening since episode sixteen, so I don't know where you're at. <sighs> Look, if if you want to dunk on me for things that I know are true, that's fine. But I know you're full of shit on this one. <laughs> I know. I know you're full of shit. No, so one that they did cover that I think you will find especially amazing. They cover the 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, sweet baby (laughs) Jesus Christ and all the tap dancing saints. (laughs) Oh, yes, the 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special, complete with... Uh, the Wookiees giving their Wookiee grandpa VR porn. (laughs) (sighs) Merry Christmas, grandpa. Here's some VR porn. See, everybody likes to like Star Wars, but what they don't realize is that Star Wars also has a long and storied history of really shitty content. Right. And, and I, I feel safe in saying that, that the, the Star Wars holiday special was like the pinnacle but there are some other ones that are, you know, they're up there. Uh, Episode one, Attack of the Racial Stereotypes. Yep. I mean, every uh, every series needs a heel, and, you know, it might as well be that. George Lucas is ours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, they do a fantastic job of covering all all the content. Um, I, I will go back and see if they have one for Daria, and if I if they do, I'll link it to you. Um, but uh, yeah, lots of really good episodes, lots of content specifically from from my childhood for sure. So if you were a '80s or '90s kid, then yeah, you know, this is certainly something in there for you. Once again, that is the Childhood Remastered podcast. You can check them out on Twitter at Remastered Cast. Go check them out. I promise you, you will like it. All right, Derek, want to get to an audience question? You know what? I thought about it, and I thought about not doing it, but then I was like, you know what? The people expect a certain a certain level of quality from us that uh, if we started skipping bits... You know, I, I think we'd go downhill. So, you know what? Let's do it. I mean, we've already skipped bits before, Derek. But this time, this time we're going to go all the way. <laughs> and in fact, baby, I think you need to sit back, 
buckle up that seatbelt because this one is going to take a while. <laughs> so it's my turn to buckle up. All right. I recently started working at a new company on a small team of developers, three devs and my boss a few months ago. The other day, me and one of the other devs, who happens to be my boss's cousin, are sitting in my boss's office, waiting on his coffee maker to finish brewing our morning pot of coffee. As a heads up, this workplace is fairly relaxed and far from PC. I mean, during my on-site interview, I remember my boss dropping an F-bomb halfway through it, so that gave me an early impression. Anyway, I happened to glance over to one of his monitors as he opened something in his Google Hangouts with his wife, and it's a gif of a penis dancing. <laughs> Oh, he closes baby. it after about a second, then explains <laughs> that that was him in that gif, and his wife messaged it to him for some odd reason. <laughs> for some, some odd reason. Funny enough, his cousin missed it and asked if he could bring it back up on the screen. <laughs> because when I hear that I just missed my cousin's penis... What I want to know is, can you bring it back up? Can you play it again, Sam? That's <laughs> So fast forward a few hours later, and my boss tells us he's buying a solid state drives. I guess as an apology or something. Then he also tells us that we can go home at 3 p.m. that day, which is great. Wow. <laughs> so to get to my question, what are the odds that I can milk anything else out of this unfortunate sausage incident? <laughs> editorializing phrasing <laughs> he's a cool boss though so i don't want to be a dick about it but i'm bumped mr sausage at the choked chicken farm oh my god and there's a note that says i really do work on a chicken farm okay so first off let's let's go back in time for a minute when you got to the part about <laughs> the the penis came on the screen and there was a about a second of of penis waving or or whatever uh, is going on in that gif or video whatever what's what do you think was going through his mind uh the the person <laughs> the penis belonged to apparently what do you think was going through his mind when he saw that pop up? Well, Derek, I don't think just one single high-pitched screech tone would make really good audio for the listeners at home, so I'm uh -huh. not necessarily going to reproduce what was going through his mind. <laughs> you gotta, I mean, you gotta think, like, I mean, I think that if there was any penis on any screen, I, I feel like I'd probably be kind of Johnny on the spot, like minimize or close or whatever. It, it doesn't take me a second to register penis before I, like, <laughs> make sure nobody else can see. Like, like minimize, close, whatever. Um, because when I'm, when I'm at work, like, that's not when I want to see penises. I mean... So you're, you're telling me that, Derek, you are ready at a moment's notice to recognize penis when you see it. I, I don't think, like... Because there have been times before at, like, work or when I'm hanging out with... with people or whatever like somebody in a chat group would like send something that was you know somewhat blue 
and you know, I don't really want everybody to see. Uh, luckily, I've never had any like huge gaff of like somebody messaging me something like really bad in the middle of like a <laughs> a screen sharing session or something. Um, you know that that has not happened to me, thank God. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, whenever you, I mean, whenever you open a chat or anything like that, like you have to know that. <laughs> If you have anybody with a with a sick sense of humor or anything like that, you're going to have to close it quickly. Um, so, like, this guy, for one full second, like, <laughs> a couple of gigaflops of his brain, I, I guess that was a little, that was a weird turn of phrase for the, the subject content. It was, it was pretty good, Derek. It was pretty good. <laughs> um, it took him, so so his reflexes for penis detection... Uh, and, and penis content removal are, are not so fast. If I were to guess, like if somebody (laughs) would, his reaction have been faster if somebody had just physically thrown a penis at him, maybe. So here's my question, Derek. Uh Uh-huh. Are you saying there are no gifts out there of you captaining the helicopter? (laughs) Whirling the windmill. A, uh. Spinning the turboprop. Keep going. Uh, you got any more, any more deep pulls on that particular move? <laughs> Propelling the pud. I don't know. Uh, a, um, that is, that is a hideous collection of of terms for any anything. Period. Just full stop. Um, second, I can guarantee you with 100% certainty that there is no video of me or, or gifts or anything of me <laughs> twirling things around. But shouldn't there be, Derek, shouldn't this be something that we just go ahead and normalize in this world where everyone has access to cameras and video software on their phones that they have next to them at all times? Isn't it, isn't it time to sort of take away the stigma. I mean, I agree with that. Like just in general, like the, the th- okay, we're, we're going to step into a little bit of a, a, a hot topic or a, a testy topic. The thing is there are enough cameras and enough like stupid kids that by the time that the current, like, you know, let, let's say, modest you know kind of modestly 15 years from now i bet there are naked there's naked media of like 60 percent of people that are at of age and that's probably pretty conservative at some point this will be a this will come to a head like this will be a problem that there are there no matter who you are there is a naked photo of you somewhere so there will become a point when no politician will be free of somebody being able to <laughs> to ogle their yams or, you know, their, (laughs) their tuber. Like there, there's nothing. Shouldn't you be the change you want to see in the world, Derek? (laughs) I will not, I will not be leading the charge into that one. So Um, for the platinum level donors. Oh no, 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 don't even. (laughs) We already talked about introducing a new reward level. Christ on a cracker. (laughs) Anyway, okay, fast forwarding through the question to when the cousin asked, oh, I missed my cousin's penis. Why don't you pull that back up so I can see my cousin's penis? That seems odd. 
Well, all I gotta say is that in in many states, it is completely legal to marry your cousin, so I'm not gonna go into too much, you know, peeping on this dude wanting to peep his cousin's peeper. (laughs) Oh, all right. So I guess I guess we'll we'll just fast forward right on to the end. We see you, cousin Cletus, and we're not judging too much. We're judging a little bit. All right, we're judging a lot, but. But we're we're not gonna try to stop you from being you. That's fine. Oh. So what about this guy like making some lame makeup excuse shit? Is he trying to buy their silence with solid state drives and early work from home time? I mean, the the thing is, is that I can't imagine that really being like necessary. I guess like everybody knows that that you know stupid shit happens so like i I guess that is like trying to head off head them off the past like for like hey here's some solid state drives go home early just be cool about it and don't fucking tell hr i guess that's that's kind of the thing like (laughs) yeah because i mean otherwise derek what would you do if someone got a hold of some of the content from the platinum level of the donor wall at our office See the the problem is is that the 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 means by which one would acquire that would make them complicit in the creating of it, and therefore their hands are are dirty as well. Wait, oh, God! It's important to wash before and after. <laughs> we talked about that at the top of the episode. Always wash before and after. <laughs> no, but okay. So so assuming that you know, this guy is trying to buy their silence. What else? They, they've got the hard drives. So, which is a big improvement. I mean, from speaking from a developer standpoint, like I'm, I guess I would kind of be in the camp of like, if, if you had the money, um, after all it took was a boner incident in order for you to, to acquire the drives for us. Why didn't you do that sooner? But yeah. Then the, the going home early. So we've got, got two, uh, two favors. What else? What else can you? So here, here's my question: Is a twirly twig worth a new MacBook? I would say one. Worth it for one person. So I would not say that it's enough to get uh, a MacBook for every person. Um, but if you are the first one to bring it up to them, I believe you could be the person that uh, that gets the MacBook. So. You know, they they don't necessarily have to truly believe that you would go to HR, um, but you do have to imply it heavily. Uh, and then, you know, first come, first serve, you get your free MacBook. So could this person manage to win every single office-based argument for the rest of their tenure by just going to meetings with an uncooked hot dog, and then anytime their boss starts arguing with them, they just... Casually begins spinning it above their head. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. A. Um, the same hot dog the whole time, or do you have to refresh the hot dog from time to time? I mean, Derek, let's not be gross about it. We're going to have to get a fresh hot dog for every single meeting. But the good news is they come in packs of eight. <laughs> Oh, 
God. Um, so chances are, as long as you only have one, like one meeting per day, you know, you won't have to like, you know, toss out any unused hot dogs. So, so B, I think it has to do with who is in the room. If it's all people that are in the room that, you know, experienced the, uh, the, the peenining, I I think you could get away with that because everybody else would be on the joke, but (laughs) just imagine the optics of that, Frank, you're in a meeting with, with, you know, the developers that are developing your software and all of a sudden one just takes a hot dog out of his pocket and starts spinning it in the air. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, software developers are a relatively eccentric lot. They are. But, and he but, can probably just explain it away with that. Like, this is just a thing I do. This makes me feel comfortable in the workplace. I am most comfortable in the workplace when there is a spinning hot dog. I feel personally attacked by by you insinuating that uh, developers that that their degree of eccentricity could extend <laughs> within the bounds of belief to spinning hot dogs over their head during meetings. I I don't even really want to like put that in the space because if like <laughs> any of the developers I'd ever managed just like started doing that as like an idiosyncratic action by them by themselves like that's just a personal tick just a personal tick i i don't know what i would do like of course like if they claim like it was a religious thing like i i wouldn't have been able to do anything about it but like (laughs) if i had any clue that it was just them being weird i would have taken them to the side and be like you stop it you stop it right now stop your stop your wiener twirling (laughs) <laughs> and, and if they say that, you just look meaningfully at the boss and say, yes, indeed, perhaps we should stop our wiener twirling on office hours. <laughs> and then the person who uh, originally told him to stop the wiener twirling, then what, what do they, what would they, what would they assume? Like, are they assuming that like the developer had expressed permission from the boss to do this or like what I... I'm trying to like play this out in my head and there, there is so much wrong with everything. <laughs> oh, but no, I, I, I do want to go. I do want to dwell on the thought that as a goof, <laughs> you just pull out, uh, you know, pull out a Hebrew national and just start. <laughs> just... Oh God. Oh, That's such a beautiful mental image. I I wanted to sit with that for a moment. The Hebrew <sighs> National, the ballpark, bun length. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, pull out a Nathan's hot dog, but that his name. It could depends be on if your name is Nathan, right? Yeah. That then it adds a whole other odd layer to it. <laughs> In conclusion, uh, the hot dog thing is your best best bet. Uh, you can have a free carte blanche win of any argument. Um, and it doesn't have to be just in meetings. Um, if you go out to lunch with them and, you know, they ask, uh, okay, is it going to be one check or two? You say one. And he's like, I'm not paying for you. Just <laughs> slowly start Take spinning. Just spinning dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
Oh, this is a gift you have given me, Frank Eastman. I'll I'll go ahead and say you only get the eight. You get one pack of hot dogs in which you win. Like I think that I think that's a fair compromise for the original question asker. You get eight. Oh. Oh, this is so beautiful. And he's already given you two. Like he's he's giving you that half a day and he's giving you the solid state drive. So really all you've got left is six. No, no, so no, 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 from that the is, genie. that is not true. We, we did not previously agree that the aforementioned, uh, freebies, uh, <laughs> took up a hot dog slot. You still have eight in the pack. We agreed one pack and then that's it. So I'd okay, say, I think you're, you're, you're right, Derek. Okay. I, I didn't want to get technical with you, technical with you, Frank, but, uh, those were the terms that we agreed to. God damn, now I'm going to have to buy some buy some hot dogs. You got eight uses on the Wiener Genie, and then it's over with. Oh, Wiener Genie. I used to have one of those. Kind of like Game Genie, but... Uh... It allows you to hack the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Oh... Oh, God. Hack the hot dog. Oh. Oh, my God. I don't think we're going to get a better euphemism, Derek. Yeah, yeah. So we will uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll say that is the pinnacle that we can reach. <laughs> and we'll go to the issue from the Internet. All right. Uh, this issue is from user Quiet and Proud. So that's nice. How to deal with a teammate that complains a lot. I've just begun working at an engineering company. I've been paired with another junior engineer, so we are sort of a two-person team within our larger team. And we work by ourselves most of the time. He's not a bad person and works as hard as the next guy, but he, he complains a lot about other people and has zero patience and manners. Whenever I misunderstand something or make a mistake, he sighs or rolls his eyes or corrects me patronizingly even though we have more or less the same education and age. When people outside our team do something that affects us negatively, like take a tool we were using without permission or petty stuff like that, he will be grumbling about them for hours. And when we overhear someone has made a mistake in their projects, he treats them more or less like he treats me, talking about them as if they were incredibly dumb. I'm dealing pretty well with his rudeness towards me. I almost always resist the urge to treat him like an idiot when he makes a mistake himself, uh, not five minutes after treating me like one for a similar mistake. However, the way he speaks of people when they are not present is pretty unprofessional, and I'm worried I'm going to end up with a bad reputation because of him since we are always together. I always try to soften his words when he, when he talks shit about other people, but I can't always be contradicting him. How can I distance myself from him so that other people don't don't take a dislike towards me? So I think the way that you've got to do this is you've just got to open up when you meet people and say, Hi, my name is John, and this is Craig, and Craig's an asshole. <laughs> I mean... Forewarned is forearmed. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I mean... That is kind of how I introduce us. Like, hi, I'm Derek. 
This is Frank. Frank is a <laughs> perpetual misanthrope. And if you were to get hit by a bus right now, he probably would not care unless you left him work to do. And then he would probably I was going to say, unless they were on critical path and had a deliverable for me. <laughs> then he would care. It's it's funny, like, when it when it happens to somebody else or, like, you hear it, it happening to somebody else. But when it happens to you, like, when somebody just, like, straight up, like, just fucking... Isn't that always the way about it, Derek? It's always funnier when you hear about it happening to someone else. Bad tech support, trips, falls, yeah, plague. That that's a good point. I I thought that I was being specific dishes just to this instance, but uh, but no, the Schadenfreude is strong, and but but when it happens to you, it's never funny. But yeah, like having these, like having this coworker that that is like really negative. Like I've had, I've had a couple of coworkers in the past that were just extremely negative and um some of them worked alongside me some of them worked for me and that is a really really fucking tough thing especially when they are talented if there's somebody that literally never does anything just sits around and complains um you, know, you can take some corrective action and eventually you can you know kind of either push them to the door or you can push them to be better e- either way it's a positive outcome but, uh, yeah, if they are, like you said, like critical path, like if they're really important or really good, uh, kind of a tough situation because, because they know that, uh, it would have to get really, really bad for them to be fired. I mean, and, and here's the thing for me, Derek, is I tend to feel that I can train up people for, for the most part to be as competent as I need them to be. Right. But it's hard to break someone who is just a long-term, hardcore dick from being a dick. <laughs> and, and you are absolutely right. And, you know, that's, that's the decision that you got to make sometimes. I, so, so of all those situations where you have dealt with somebody like this, I mean, have you ever gotten anybody to, like, change their behavior? Or have you just, have you always resorted to just replacing them because it's, it's easier? I mean, most of the time they just lay me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you've got someone like this, like sometimes you can minimize their contact with other people. You can find excuses for why you're not going to go visit people when they're going to go visit people. Right. You, you can find excuses for why you should take point. And then sometimes you just have to have a frank, upfront conversation with people and say, listen, your, you know, interpersonal relationship skills that you have when you encounter other people can cause problems for us and can make us have to work harder than we necessarily need to. So why don't you let me take point? Yeah, because it's not, it's not even just, I mean, sure, some people are, some people are, you know, they feel they're very superior to everybody. Like that is just going to happen sometimes. You're gonna you're gonna meet people like that sometimes. But like most of the people that I have known that are like this, it's it's like it's just a maturity problem. Like they they have never really been forced to kind of grow up and be a professional. And you know, like you said, sometimes a a frank discussion is is necessary. And, and sometimes it, sometimes it will work. Like there, there are, I mean, I guess they kind of have to be at the point where they're ready to drink the water. Like, you know, you can, you can, 
Uh, you can lead them to the water, but unless they're ready to take a drink, like they're not going to drink. So I guess you kind of have to incept the idea into them. But but yeah, by and large, you know, it is a maturity problem. It's it's something that it's very difficult to solve. And especially like if they're like 20, you know, yeah, they, they just haven't had a real big boy job before. And, you know, you can teach them, hey, this is not how a professional acts. But if they're like 50, that that boat might have done sailed. I've, I've to some extent had reasonable amounts of, of success just literally calling people out on their bullshit, regardless of how old they are. Like, sometimes people just do it because nobody has ever called them out on it. Right. And if they understand that somebody is not going to sit around and play quiet to the their horse shit, then they're going to have to change how they approach things. Or get better at being an asshole. But, you know, surprisingly enough, like, most people are not necessarily going to take the option of of trying to be a better asshole like at some point it will become easier for them to just quiet down and not be an asshole all the time and that's the option i've taken a couple times of essentially like you said you know not necessarily shaming them but you know not folding like not caving uh to their to their tantrums and eventually they learn like if i want to get out of this meeting you know, <laughs> less than an hour overdue, uh, I'm going to have to like back off and, you know, <laughs> I guess it really depends on who has more free time. Like if you've got a lot of free time, then you can just wait them out till they stop being an asshole. But, uh, yeah, if, if they don't do anything anyway, you may be in a lose, lose situation. Hmm. I've got all day. <laughs> we can sit here until you turn nice. <laughs> Uh, I have had a couple of meetings like that. It's like, dude, it's 9 a.m. I cleared my schedule to try to make you less of an asshole, so bring it on, big boy. <laughs> We're going to see how long this takes. <laughs> and then, you know, the egg on my face when it's like 5 o'clock and, and he is still an asshole. It's like, <laughs> this is unexpected. You are, I now, you are still an asshole, but now I respect your dedication to being an asshole <laughs> if you're gonna try and correct me Derek you better bring snacks <laughs> I mean I always have that uh th that little bag of beef jerky in my pocket for for when things are a little testy I can just kind of wave that around and it calms you down for a second while I while I flee <laughs> I was wondering why you kept tossing out chunks of pocket jerky <laughs> It's important, but I will say it's not cheap. Like, I need to stop pissing you off because, I mean, I gotta... I demand high-quality jerky, Derek. Right. I demand the highest-quality jerky. I can't just be I can't just be throwing out Slim Jims. It's gotta be, like, real, actual dried meat. Boy, we talked a lot Jack about... Jack Link's nugget stuff. We talked a lot about meat in this episode. Both, like metaphorically literally and figuratively right yeah <laughs> i i think we need to punch the clock before we go on another rant about meat <laughs> all right thank you so much for listening to the show if you'd like to support us we, you can buy us a coffee or two at bit.ly forward slash wli coffee this time it's actually spelled coffee coffee not k-o-f-i uh you can also 
visit our merch store at bit.ly forward slash WLI merch. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. You can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLimbalance and use the hashtag WLICast. Derek, why the hell is the coffee spelled like coffee now? Why? <laughs> because I was just getting used to the coffee being spelled like Kofi. I know, but it. I hated saying it every time. And then, like, and then I realized I would have to actually say that it's coffee now and not Kofi. But eventually I'll not have to say that anymore. And then I can just say WLI Coffee. <laughs> All right. This has been the Work Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm the Meat Helicopter. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you to HR. Yeah, that's a good call. I didn't really think that one through. About the time you started talking was about when I started thinking of, hmm, wouldn't it be funny if I made some sort of like, (laughs) some swinging wiener joke. Um, That's the best I got. That's the... Takes me time to curate a good joke. Takes takes time to get it up to speed. <laughs>